If you own a Bible, would you like to get it out? If you don't own a Bible, please, please come and see me. I will buy you a Bible. ESV only, but I will buy you a Bible. No, I'll buy you whatever you want. But if you don't have one, please come and see me. But grab a Bible out. And I would encourage you, if you're a note taker as well, to take notes, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you three R's. No, I'm not, but that would be fun. I'm, I'm going to ask a heap of questions, though, and I think they're, they're a little bit rhetorical, but I think they do deserve answers at some stage. I just don't have them for you. So hopefully, together, we will find the answers. But we have been coming together to pray on Monday nights, and it's been fantastic just coming and asking God what this next season looks like, where he's sending us, what he's calling us into. And during prayer on, on Monday, God dropped a verse in my heart. And normally I, I don't like to, God stirs things in me that I don't like to share straight away, but I just felt that there was an urgency on this. And this verse is um, open to, hey, Louis, can you just turn... Um, those front foldbacks off for me, please. Thanks. Um, there's a few ways that I, I want to apply this verse. I want to apply it to us as a house and where we're going. And I want you to apply it to your life personally. I think it's, it's twofold. I don't see the, the, the church of God being... I've spoken about this before, that the, the, the church is the church gathered and the church scattered, right? When we come together as the people, we are God is leading us and guiding us as a people. But then when we go out, we scatter as the church. We go into our lives still forwarding and bringing the kingdom, still leading and guiding. So what God does is he, he, he challenges things in us corporately and individually. And I want to apply this verse both corporately and individually. So John 6, if you would go to John 6. The last few, last two weeks, Sean and I have been speaking about making choices with God at the center. Making choices where we, we lead our lives through Christ, asking Him to, to guide us. That prayer that I prayed this morning is a dangerous prayer. Brad just whispered to me, that's a dangerous prayer. Because in order for God to make us in in the direction he wants us to go, the nonsense has to be broken out. Right? To ask God to, to, to break us, to mold us and make us means, Lord, the, the crap that's inside me has to leave. I actually want it to go. God, I actually want you to reveal my awful parts, my pointy parts, my thorns. I want you to reveal that in me. Why? Because then you can take it away from me. The things that I'm not leading where you want me to do in my marriage with my children, which are metaphorical right now, um, with my workplace, with the way I conduct myself at the pub or on a sporting field, all these things are areas of God. We're saying, Lord, show us where we don't look like you and help us cut those rough edges off and let us be an image bearer of you. But I'm going to read this verse, John 6, 4, 15. I'm going to read it all and then I will come back and, and break it down. But it says this. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, 
Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. There is so much in this verse that every time I read it during the week, something else jumped out and something else And I was trying to compartmentalize between God. What do you want me to preach and what are you saying to me personally? So there is a lot in this. And if God is already speaking to you in this, that's great. But I just want to highlight some of the things I felt God tell us as a a people, again, both corporately and individually through this verse. So it starts that at Passover, right, the Jewish Passover, it was one of the biggest feasts that the Jews had. When I've, I've read this in the past, I thought, well, they were just hungry, so just enough to get by would have been what they wanted. But that's not what they wanted. They wanted the Passover feast. Feast being the key word. They didn't want just enough as a people. They would have been coming thinking, if Jesus is, is gathering the people in this big field, this is going to be a, a Passover festival. They were coming anticipating what we would anticipate as Australians or whatever nation you're from, that big feast like Christmas. Right, if you have a Christmas lunch, if there's no ham at the Christmas lunch, is it Christmas lunch? No. Mum's dropped the ball if there's no ham, right? Or if there's, you know, there's no, there's no whatever it is in your family, right? For the Americans, it's the um, Thanksgiving, right? If there's no turkey, is it a Thanksgiving dinner? No. It's just not a Thanksgiving dinner, right? We have in our heart, this is what it should look like. If you went to Thanksgiving dinner and you got one slice of toast, you'd be like, gee, it was more like not Thanksgiving dinner, right? We have to understand that what the Jews were coming for in this position was they were coming for the Passover feast. They had in their heart what it would look like. They had in their mind, this is going to be amazing. If this, if this man really is the Messiah to come, this Passover feast is going to be exceptional. And then when they get there, they start looking around like, oh, What is going to happen here? They were expecting something. They were expecting that God was going to move in their place. Again, individually and corporately, do we have faith to know God will provide the feast that we see that he's put in our heart? If God has called us to a feast, do we have faith to know that God will provide? So Jesus lifts up his eyes, sees that a large crowd in verse 5, a large crowd's coming toward him. Jesus, he says to Philip, Where are we to buy the bread so that these people may eat? I love that it says that Jesus said this to test Philip. He knew the answer, but he was testing where Philip's faith was at. Philip, do you trust me enough to know that I will provide for all these people? And I love that when we read the scriptures, 
we like to think that we're the disciples when they do the good stuff and not the disciples when they do the bad stuff, right? We would have gone, my answer would have been, Jesus, you're going to provide for us. But that's not what Philip said. Philip said exactly what I've been saying for the last three to four weeks. That's like a $7 burnout with the price of tires, isn't it? $24 petrol, tires. That's just a lot just happened just there. It's expensive. But how cool, hey? <laughs> Sorry, that just threw me off and completely. The old Narang burnout. <laughs> uh, thanks, Riv. I'm glad you found it funny. I've been asking this question for the last three to four weeks, as I'm sure most of us have in all parts of our life. God, how am I supposed to? You know, when we're looking for this building and we've, we've ran the figures with our finance team and with, with Paul to, to look at where can we go financially, what can this look at? You know, when I'm looking through the market, I'm saying, God, how in the world can I get what you're asking me to get with the money that you, that's in our account? And I realized on Monday night that God said, Ben, you're Philip. You were looking at this from a, a worldly perspective, not from a kingdom perspective. And then I started to realize how many of us would ask this question just as Philip and just insert your own thing. Lord, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to make sure that this happens or that happens? Lord, how am I supposed to get out of bed this morning when this happens or that happens? How am I supposed to? How am I supposed to? What we do is we address the problem in front of us from a worldly perspective when Jesus is saying, would you see it from my perspective? God, how am I supposed to fix my marriage when the price is too large? How am I supposed to help my child who keeps getting suspended from school? How am I supposed to, when all these things come, we look at the mountain that's before us and say, how in the world, God, am I supposed to move the mountain? But what does Jesus say? With faith in me, who I am, I will move the mountain. Through you, I will move the mountain. And I wondered in this that there's so many times where we've said, God, it's not enough. Or God, there's not enough. And Jess and I have been talking. We're trying to buy a house in our private life, I guess you would say, in our public life, in, in, in our leading of the church. We're looking for a church building. And Jess and I have talked hours at length about both. And what keeps coming back is God keeps saying to us, you're not dreaming big enough. All right, Lord, give us the mansion. Right? Give us the mansion. Give us a 15-bedroom house and a... And a yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if you want to do Maybe we do. But it wasn't you're not dreaming big enough in the fact that the house is not big enough. It's you're not dreaming big enough in the fact that I will do what needs to be done. You're not dreaming big enough in the fact that you don't trust me enough to give it to me. You don't trust me enough to say, I will fix this. So you're not dreaming big enough in your marriage. Why? Because you don't trust me that I'll fix it. You're not dreaming big enough with your kids because you think they're going to be a stuff up all the time. You're not dreaming big enough in whatever it is. God is saying, I have a bigger and better way. Dream with me. And I've heard this verse preached many times about the red Ferrari, right? We can get the red Ferrari, but I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, your dreams in me will trust that I will get you what you need, what I've got for you, the plan and purpose that I've written for your life. And it may not be a 15-bedroom house. It may not be a massive auditorium 
with lights and, and mirrors. It may not be those things, but if you dream with me, I'll give you exactly where I've got for you. But oftentimes I feel like we are Philip. We come and say, Jesus, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. God, it's not enough. It's not enough. I can't do it. And God is saying, in me, you can do it. Do we trust that God has called us? Therefore, he will provide for us. Do we have faith to know that God will provide the feast? And do we trust that he has called us? Therefore, he will provide for us. He will provide for us. The next point that comes across is verse, uh, verse 8. It says, One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And I love this. I love this, this part the most because it reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas songs, The Little Drummer Boy. There's an awesome um, version of that song by For King and Country. and It has this epic like movie-style film clip. And there's this little boy with a drum and he walks all through the countryside. And I love, I love the picture of that because I feel like the little drummer boy. Lord, I don't have anything to give, but I can bang this drum. That's all I have, God, and I want to present it to you. And I love how ludicrous this is, that this little boy, looking out over the crowd coming in, he would have looked at what he had and thought, I'm going to give this. This will change the situation. I know if that was me, I would have been like, I'm not even going to present this to God because he'll laugh at me. I'm not even going to show him the, the, the two bits of bread and the, and the fish that I have because it's not enough. It's not going to change it. But I love that the little boy runs over and he says, I can fix the problem. I've got the answer. It's here in my hands. It'll, get, it'll feed everybody. It's like when a, when a, a parent looks at a, a bill and they're stressed because they can't pay it. And their little child runs into their room and grabs their piggy bank and comes out and says, here, I can pay it. They have no concept that the money in the piggy bank can't pay the bill. But they have the concept that money pays bills. That'll do. Tick. This is why Jesus in Matthew, he says to us, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Lord, look what's in my hand. This is it. It's all I've got. I'm tired. I'm broken. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. But I trust you. This is all I have. All of us have been in a place, and maybe it's there now, where we go, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm at the end of my tether. God's saying, I don't need you to do it. I don't need you to do it. Then what do you need from me? That little bit of faith you've got. Give it to me and I will multiply. I will bring the increase. Jesus, when he asked Moses to go and do the unthinkable, to go back into Pharaoh's courts, go back into the place in which he, he came out of with fear and anguish, he says, go back. And Moses says to him, Lord, I can't. I'm a stuttering mess. I can't speak properly. They hate me. They're going to persecute me. He spoke like Philip. I don't have enough, Lord, to go back. What, is, what does God say to him? Lord says, Moses, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. He said, then throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and he became a staff in his hand. Jesus said, uh, sorry, the Lord said to Moses, what is in your hand? You've already got the things. 
But you know, the interesting part is that when he throws it to the ground, it scares him. Sometimes what God is asking us to do as a people is scary and we don't know how it works. But God says, pick it up. Really? You want me to bend down and pick the cobra up? Pick it up. The same thing that makes Moses throw the snake to the, the staff to the ground, the faith he had in God is the same thing that allows him to pick it back up. When God asks you what's in your hand and you go, well, this, but it doesn't make any sense, use it. But I'm scared it's going to fall apart. Trust me. Use it. And again, we can apply this both in our own sense, in our own right. We can apply this individually and publicly. If God says to me, Ben, go and buy this building, Lord, that will send us broke in a month. Use it. But Lord, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how to do it. Use it. I will show you how it works, but I can't show you how it works until you throw it to the ground. Quit your job and apply for this job that you are well under trained for. God, I don't know how that works. Quit your job and I'll show you how it works. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying everyone go and quit their job and apply for your dream job. That's not the key. The key here is faith in God that he's asked you to go into that place. Moses didn't go, well, this staff will fix it. No, God said to him, Moses, what's in your hand? He didn't realize what it was. But we have to be led and governed by the Holy Spirit in order to make the decisions that God is asking us. So many times I've heard people say, I did this because I just I wanted to step out in faith. Yeah, but God didn't ask you to do that. So you just sold everything and gave it away and he didn't ask you to do that. So now you're trying to work out this faith step that was never actually yours in the first place. See, we have to understand and have a relationship with the Father so that when we hear him speak the crazy thing, we actually know it's his voice. If someone came to me tomorrow and said, Ben, you need to go to China and live because God told me, I'm not going to pack my bags and go to China. I'm going to ask God to speak to me. God, reveal it to me. But can I tell you, when he does speak, when there's that, that knot in your stomach, when there's that turn in your heart, and you go, I've got to do this, that's when you have to step and watch what God will do. That's when you have to throw your staff to the ground. That's when you have to decide, Lord, I'm here to do what you've asked me to do. Do we have the faith to know that God will provide for the feast? Do we trust that, he, that God has called us? Therefore, he will provide for us. And will we be present? Will we present to God what's in our hand? Will we present to God what he's given us to do? The verse continues on in verse 10. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Have the people sit down. In, in the prophetic literature in, in the New Testament, to sit can mean two things. It means a, a place of authority that you come down under authority. So if you sit down, you sit lower than the person who is teaching or leading you. And the other thing it can mean is to engage or to work. Right? Often in, in the New Testament, in, in the prophetic pictures, they would sit down to do their work because it meant that they would achieve the task. But primarily it means that I'm going to submit myself to you. So when Jesus says, have them all sit down, and all the men sit down, the leaders of their house, they would sit in a place to say, I trust this man who's brought me here. 
I will sit in this place because, Lord, I trust you. And I love that it puts it in there because later we'll see what happens. But we get to a place where we say, Lord, no, nothing is moving in my life. All these promises, I've got all these prophetic words, all these things, but, but you've not done anything. And I prayed that prayer about two weeks ago. I was frustrated and I was tired and I said, Lord, you have given us so many prophetic words. You have called us time and time again from different places for both Jess and I personally and for this house. And then when I read this verse, I thought, wow, I haven't sat down in those areas of my life. I have not allowed him to be the authority over me in that place. See, we go around and we say, Lord, you were going to, but I'm standing up yelling and screaming at God, taking my position of authority above him to say, Lord, you told me this was going to be for me, mine and all me. And God is saying, if you would sit down and accept my authority, I'll show you how we're going to get where we're going. See, we live in a generation of, of as quick as possible. Give it to me today. Get the app, look at it, press the button. I've not joined things because the app was too clunky and it was too hard. I'm like, this is too hard. It's too hard. Just, I want to press two buttons. I want to go where we're going. Unfortunately, that's not how Jesus is leading us. Why? Because it's quick and easy is not the way of the kingdom. It's long. It's a process. Why? Because that's where strength is grown. You don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden can kick a football and be the best in the world. You have to take the time to increase, to understand, to learn, to train, to equip, to step it out, to work it out, to go down into the troubled times, to rise up. That's what makes somebody the best of the best. Will we sit down and submit ourselves and engage with Jesus? I get so challenged when people say, well, God's not listening to me. Yeah, because you spoke to him for four minutes and then you moved on. God's not speaking to me. Yeah, because you haven't stopped to actually hear his voice for months. You've actually not quieted yourself and said, Lord, I will come and I will stand in this place. I think like the second prayer night we did, we probably prayed for five minutes, 10 minutes. And then we just sat. And can I tell you some of the things God revealed in that place, some of the best things that I've heard God say has been me just saying, Lord, I don't know what else to say, but I'm here to listen and God will reveal. But we have to bring ourselves and submit ourselves before him and say, Lord, you are the king. I know when I pray, I, I'm, I'm purposefully praying for Jesus as king of this house king of this city and king of this nation and I make a point to do that because out of my mouth I want to submit to his, his authority on behalf of this house I want to submit us under his authority why? because I truly believe that if he's leading we'll go somewhere good I truly believe that I have no issue saying I'm a servant of the most high, none I am a son but I am also a servant I have no issues with saying that and neither should you because if he is the king that he says he is, your servanthood will be led in the most incredible way. The crumbs from his table is better than what the world can put on, spread the world can put on for you. I, I believe that God, if you lead us, we'll go in a place we want to go. So 
Will we submit and engage with him? Continues on, verse 11, Jesus, he takes the loaves and when he has given thanks, what, what Jess was doing this morning was trying to create our, ourselves a platform to give thanks. Jesus takes the bread. That would have just, to me, would have seemed so, so incredibly challenging that we're standing in a crowd of 5,000 men, so probably 10 to 15,000 humans. And Jesus takes this, what he could hold in two hands, and he raises it up and says, Lord, thank you for this meal that you've given to all these people. If you were close to the back, you would have been like, I'm not getting any of that. That's going to go to the first five guys at the front, right? That's going to go to the disciples and Jesus. Why would I give thanks for that? I'm not getting any. But that's the posture of the world. Jesus came and he said, watch what I will do when I give thanks for the things that I have. The little that I have, I am grateful for. Jesus, thank you for this that I have. Why? Because that's what I feel that you've given me and I'm encouraged and I'll use what's in my hands. Why would God give us even more if we can't even be grateful for the little that I do have? Why would God upgrade your car when you treat the one you've got terribly? Why would God call you into more when the little you have is already taking you away from Him? God, give me a, give me the, a, a raise in my job. Why? You don't spend time with me now. If I give you a raise into the job, you're going to go into to more authority, more, more time away and none with me. The reason this is so challenging is because for me too, I had to, what you're feeling now, I had to feel on Monday night as I read the verse and God just, just challenging me. Just sitting there like, oh Lord, help us. Help us. Because we want the next thing. We want to be upgraded. We want those things. But when it comes to stewarding the things that we have, we do it terribly. And that's the picture of the world because I'll just get a new iPhone when this one dies so I can toss this around. If it breaks, I don't care because I'll get another one. I'm, I'm flippant with this because I know there will be a new one to come. Do you know what's terrible? In our society, we are, we are treating marriages like this. Don't worry. If the first one fails, I'll get you a new one. You can have another one. You can have two at the same time. Don't worry. You can deal with, you can, you can, you can try and navigate that at the same time. You can treat that like, like garbage. But what the kingdom is asking us to do is know, I have given you a way. If you, if you treat what I have given you in my kingdom and, and the way that I've asked you to do it, watch what I'll do with it. Your marriage will be amazing. Your kids will be amazing. And people say, man, how did you do that? How did you get your kids to do that? How did you manage that? I just followed what God asked me to do. I just did what Jesus asked me to do and it, it, it went in a great way. Does this make sense? Is everyone okay? Are we thinking? That's all I need. If we're thinking. Jesus gave thanks. Every night before I go to bed, I don't say this to pump my tires. I say this because it was a thing God challenged in me. But every night before I go to bed, I thank God for my wife. Maybe a bit silly, but I thank God for my puppy. For my house. Why? Because it's important to me that God, I, I thank you for what we have. I love the fact that, that, yes, we want a house desperately. We want to buy a house. It's been in our hearts since we got married. 
but I'm not going to whinge and complain at what God's already given me. And I'm going to steward it well, so I make my bed. I clean the house. When the agents come, I, I speak nicely to them. I, I, I try and do whatever they need me to do. Why? Because I want to steward what God's given me. Not so that I get more, but because, Lord, if this is all I ever get, I'm going to make it worthwhile. Lord, if you only ever give me a, a, a church of 10 people, I'm going to do everything I have to make that 10 people the best 10 Christians in the world. Because I am encouraged, Lord, that you would even give me 10. I'm encouraged, Lord, that you would give us this house to live in. I'm encouraged, God, that you would give me friends and family. I'm not going to sit there and whinge that, well, no one invites me or no one or this, that or the other. Lord, I'm going to be grateful for what I do have and watch you increase what I do have. Will we shift our hearts into thanksgiving and gratefulness? Will we shift our hearts into thanksgiving and gratefulness? I'm almost finished. The bread was distributed to those who were seated. Why does he put that in there? Why does he say he asked them all to go and sit and then later on in the verse he says he gave thanks to the bread, they made bread and fish, it multiplied, but he only gave it to the ones who were seated. Because I imagine, the way I read this is I imagine that there were some who didn't believe what Jesus was going to do who were standing on the outskirts. Now, I'm not sitting. I'm not going to submit to this guy until he shows us that he's going to give us the bread. I'm not going to give myself to him until he shows me that I'm going to get bread and fish from him. So I'm going to stand. They operated in dishonor and disunity. They decided, I'm not going to put faith and trust in him. I'm going to wait to see what they will do. Jesus speaks about this when the disciples say, Lord, show us a sign. And Jesus is like, show us a sign. Do you not know? Have I not been with you long enough? What they were waiting for, those who were still standing, was, Lord, show a breakthrough in my marriage, and then I'll give myself to it. Lord, give us 20 grand in cash, and then I'll decide to offer of my house to you that's not how the kingdom operates jesus says in faith we sit in faith we go that meal is not going to feed us but i trust you jesus i will sit down i don't understand how that can feed all of us but i'm going to trust you and sit down god you told us to leave i felt that clear jess and i felt that clear as day we could have stayed in this building there was an option for us to do that but god told us to leave it makes no sense but god i trust you enough to sit down god i trust you enough that your leadership will lead us where where we're supposed to go so i will sit down on the grass he distributed the, the food to those who were seated because they were the ones who submitted to his authority they were the ones who said we are with you we're for you Will we be humble enough to be fed or will we stay in pride and hunger? Will we be humble enough to be fed or will we stay in pride and hunger? Two more and I'm done. Verse 11, So also the fish, as much as they wanted, and when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up. They filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. There was so much that they had all that they wanted. When they followed these principles, there was so much. Was there so much that those who were standing got fed? No, I don't think there was. Why? Because he gathers the food back into the baskets. He feeds those who were seated and he comes back and he gathers the food in the baskets. 
Why is that important? Because often we'll read this verse and go, yes, Lord, double portion for me. We haven't followed the first three principles. We haven't humbled ourselves. We haven't submitted ourselves to him. We haven't asked him to speak. We haven't positioned ourselves in his worship and glory. We haven't given thanks, but double portion for me. Overflowing for me, Jesus. But God says, in this verse, it says, no, there is a way that we submit ourselves under him and the double portion will come because of his glory, not because of ours. We don't get to say, well, Lord said, so we, I'm going to go out and choose the building I want. No, you've not submitted yourself. You've not sat down on the grass. You've not humbled yourself to say that he is the one in who you worship and praise. You've not given thanks for the stuff you have had. You haven't stewarded the things that you, you don't get to just move down to verse 11 and then declare verse 11 over yourself. That's not the way it works. We declare the whole verse over ourselves, which is the part where we have to submit as well. Yes, there is a double portion. Yes, there is more than you could ever imagine. The house that, Jess, that God has for Jess and I is greater than what we could imagine. The building and the place that the Lord has for this, for this community and where we're going is greater than what we can imagine. But that's not our worry. Our worry is the part God's asked us to worry about. Lord, you are the king. We are thankful for what you've given us. We submit ourselves to you. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. That's our job. And God says, don't worry the way I give is better than you'll ever understand, but just trust me. Just trust me, and I will give you more than enough. And it ends with this, verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. And then the crowd paraphrased Ben's version because I didn't write it down. And they come to mob him to make him king. They see the miracle that there was more than enough food who do they glorify? God. Who do they praise and worship? Jesus. Who do they say is the king? Him. See, when we say, when we do miracles, when we see miracles take place, oftentimes we'll go, Ben, you did such a great job. Way to lead that service. Now, I didn't do anything. I just submitted myself to the Father and he did the rest. When I come and pray for somebody and they get healed, wow, he has such an amazing healing gift. no. Jesus has the healing gift. It flows through him, yes. And there is honor to that guy and there's not dishonor, but it's Jesus that gets the glory. They saw this amazing. The boy is not mentioned. The disciples aren't mentioned. Jesus, the king, is mentioned. He is the one we worship. He's the one we come before. When we move into what God's calling us into in this place, it will not be, well done, Ben, you rang lots of Asians agents and hustled lots of agents <laughs> and hustled <laughs> I'm a little bit of water it's Josh Josh I, I knew I shouldn't have looked at him it won't be well done Ben you've called hundreds of agents and you've 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 rang around and you've gone to buildings and you've met with people and you saved the money It'll be all glory to God, for His plan was perfect, for we trusted in His way. But it takes from us, it takes us to position ourselves. Do we have faith to know that God will provide the feast? Do we trust that God has called us, therefore He will provide for us? Will we present to God what's in our hands? Will we submit and engage with Him? Will we shift our hearts into thanksgiving and gratefulness? 
will we humble ourselves to be fed or stay in pride and hunger? Does our faith allow for more than enough or have we settled for just enough? And will we worship and glorify Him no matter the circumstances? That's what I felt God has called us in in this verse. In this next season, for us as a, as a community of people, there is going to cost us all something. There is going to be things that need to be done. There is going to be engagement that we want to see. There is going to be a level of this is my home and I want to invest into it. But this is one area of your life. You have to apply this to your marriage, to your workplace, to your parenting, to, to the way you buy groceries. All of these things apply here. So we apply it on a, on a macro level and a micro level as the church gathered and the church scattered. And I want to ask you, will you invest in this next season with us? You don't have to answer at all. It's a question I'm asking for you to take to God. Will you invest in this next season? If it meant that we have to go to a venue where we set up and pack down, would you, would you be willing to do that? If it went to a place where it was scummy and run down, would you be okay with that and help us to, to put fresh paint on the walls? Would you invest in the way you engage all across the board? Would you pray for us? Would you ask the Lord if there was, would be a financial um, investment into the place? Would you ask God how you can show up and be there for what we're building in this place? Would you ask God what your position looks like and what he's asking of you? Would you say, Lord, these hands are ready. I have no idea how I can serve and I have no idea what it looks like or means to serve, but I'd like to do that. All these questions are things that we are going to start asking as we move in to the next season and phase God has for us. I have no issue asking if you guys will be a part of this because this is a home and a family of what we're building and I want you to be engaged I don't want you to be here because it makes you a good boy or girl I want you to be here because I love being here I love worshipping God with you I love honouring and praising Him as a community of people as do I love being in your home and eating and having you in mind these things are as, a, as we build as a community of people it takes us all to engage Jess and I will engage 100%. We will give all that we have to this community because God's asked us to. And I don't want to force you to. I don't want you to feel as though you have to. I want you to be called and led by God. I have said since the very first time I started leading, I don't mind what church you go to so long as you go. Be a part of a community. Engage with fellow believers. Have them in your home. You go to their home. Have community of, of faithful believers where you speak about the scriptures. Talk about whether this was right or wrong. Talk about the other nuances in this verse, the other things God is saying. Wrestle with a word in the Greek or Hebrew if you're so inclined. Worship together. Send songs to each other. That's what a community of people looks like. It doesn't just look like being here, but we love being here as well. And there are things that need to be done in the place as we gather. So I want to ask in this next little while, if you can't make it to, to Monday night prayer, that's fine. But please be praying. Be praying for us as a community, where we're going, what God's calling us into. If you get a word, if you feel God's saying something, share it with us. Send it to Jess and I or come and talk to me. 
but also be asking God what your engagement looks like. What will you do in this place? What will you be a part of? How will you serve in that? As one expression of church, as one expression of your faith, not negating the other things you're already doing, not saying you're not doing enough, just saying, Lord, I believe in this and I I want to be a part of this. What will you have me do? And if God says, I want you to pray earnestly, and that's all, great, but do that. Pray earnestly. Intercede for us. Is that okay? Is that is that clear and not too upsetting? Does anyone have any questions actually? Before we pray. Riv, do you have any questions? Okay, okay. Let's stand and we'll pray. And we can go and and snack. But I, I just I just wanted to to be I was talking to Paul during the week and he said to me, bro, what's on your heart? What's on your heart for, for where you're going? And I spoke through this verse with him. We were talking about the community and talking about where his, his community is at. And he said, what's, your, what's on your heart? Where do you want to go? And I said, mate, honestly, I, I don't even know how to answer this question, that question other than this. I want to know where God's calling us and I want to go there. That's it. Lord, would you reveal to me where you're sending us? Would you reveal to me what the next 10 20, 30 years of mine and Jess's life looks like and just give us the strength and courage to do as you've asked us to do. That's my prayer. So Father, I I come right now and we thank you, Lord, that you would give us your word. Lord, I thank you that you would engage with us through scripture, that what was written so long ago can still be so powerful and impacted for us, can still reveal your kingdom and your heart, Lord. God, I thank you that we could read the scriptures and see your glory. God, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, that there would be a, an opening in their heart, mine as well, to be changed by you. God, I pray that you would help us to lay down our pride, to lay down what we want the way we see it, And God, that we would open our hands and say, Lord, I am so willing for you to move. Lord, I pray that when you've given us that staff, that we would throw it to the ground as you've asked and we would pick it back up as you've asked. Lord, the gifts on every person in this room, Father, and those who couldn't be here this morning, may those gifts come alive, not for their sake, not for our sake, but for yours, Jesus. God, may we begin to operate in who you are. May we begin to live a life that glorifies you. May we begin to cast your image all over this place, Father. Lord, give us the strength to give thanks for what we already have. Change our hearts. Make them grateful. God, help us to submit to your authority. Jesus, we love you, we honor you, we glorify your name. And Lord, we earnestly pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Lord, we submit ourselves in this house to you as the king. God, we declare your kingship over this city, we declare your kingship over this nation. As servants and sons and daughters of yours, we glorify your name. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. 
Thank you for who you are, for what you do in our lives, God. Thank you for this community. Thank you for this building. Thank you for the time that we've been able to spend in this place. Thank you for Mal and Edith, for Brad and Farah, for Brad and Gnomes, Father. Thank you for the leadership that's come before to bring this, this house to where you've put it. And God, with earnest desire in our hearts, we thank you for where you are taking us. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We glorify your name. And in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.